Bible school and I was preaching there Tuesday morning and there was 19, 22 new students, all girls from all over Europe. It was amazing. And it was great to see these young people on fire for Jesus. And God just moved in the, in the chapel and they were all on their knees weeping for Europe. It's great to see, see God because this generation needs Jesus. Honestly, these young people need Christ. If there was ever a time that we were born, it's for now. And it's for young people. So I'm going I'm to do a whole series over the next three weeks on the lost. So let's pray and let's ask God. I really, really believe that God wants to anoint this morning's message. That something happens in your heart this morning regarding the lost. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your heart is for those who are lost. We pray for that anointing that breaks the heart of the church for the lost. There are so many outside these walls, Lord. We ask you, Father, we ask your Holy Spirit to anoint these words this morning. That something will happen to us, Lord. In this room this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn me to Luke chapter 15. It's a famous chapter. But I'm going to do the three parables over the next three weeks. But I'm going to start off not with the first one, but the second one. Put that visual pose. Or what woman haven't been, sorry, having ten silver coins... If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy, sorry, likewise, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. I want to open up and say, have you ever been lost? Where you just feel so lost. I remember years ago, I was in Belgium, and I was preaching in Brussels. And it was me and the the administrator, the officer, we went together, and she drove the van. And we got lost for about four hours coming back. At one point, I could see her panicking because she could speak French. And there was nobody around. But that sense, I could see panic in her eyes. So then I started to get worried a bit. Because you're driving and driving and driving for hours, getting lost. And it's, it's a terrible feeling when you get lost, isn't it? It's a dreadful feeling. I remember one other time that really made me panic. And I don't really panic much. But I remember one time, I was in, I was in Florida. I was in Disneyland. And Rianne was about three. And my sister-in-law, Joanne, put her on this ride. But she forgot to meet her at the exit of the ride. So all of a sudden, we couldn't find Rianne in this massive park. And I think on a given day, there's over 55,000 people in that park. And I remember the feeling of panic setting in that we could have lost her. But I remember the joy of finding her. The joy of seeing her little face at three brought such joy to everybody that was on the trip. And you know what? There are so many 
people lost today. Our city is full. Our communities are full of lost people. Young people especially have seemed to lost their way. That they have no vision, no direction, and, all, and it results in no living. We have the highest rate now of drug addiction, alcoholic addiction, sexual addiction, gambling addiction, every addiction on the planet. We are at the highest level above any other generation that has lived on the earth. All because they feel lost. I remember when I was 23, coming out of a nightclub, feeling so lost, so empty, and bewildered. And I remember, it was just before George said, I remember looking up to this guy saying, God, if you're really real, surely there's got to be more to life. Because that was the feeling I felt at 24. Lost. This woman lost something very precious to herself. The reason she had 10 coins was that when, from a Jewish context, when a woman got married, she was given 10 silver coins on her wedding day. So for her, these were coins that she wouldn't spend, that she would treasure, that would bring great memories of her day of her wedding. So she loses one of great value. Great value. And my first point is this. What if she had said to herself, it's only one coin? At least I have nine. Forget about the one. But she didn't. I want you to understand this morning. This woman represents the heart of God. We always look at her as a lady that lost something, but when you actually pull her apart, she represents the heart of God for humanity. And I want to say this, she places great value on the one, not on the ten. Because if she had a place on the tent, she would have just left the one go. But somewhere in her heart, that other one that was lost had great, great value. And I want to say this. God places, now listen. God places great value on the one. On the one. The one neighbor, the one friend, the one colleague. The one stranger, God places great value on the one. Second thing I want to say regarding this lady, she placed a great priority on finding the one. Great value, but also she put great priority on finding so you know, it's very hard to find a coin when you lose it. Do you ever lose something? I'm always losing things. 
Always. Rachel, Rianne, Hannah, Chan will tell you, I'm always losing things. Do you ever lose your keys? Denise loses her keys in my house all the time she comes. Where's my keys? I said, they're there, Denise. Or I put them in a drawer, or I put them somewhere. But I often see people, when you put something away, the sense of panic, urgency, because we place great priority on certain things. But I don't know whether about you, have you ever lost money? And you go searching, looking for the money that you lost. But the great disappointment when you can't find it. That for days you're disappointed that you lost something that actually has great value and actually have put a great priority on. But for some reason, the church has lost its heart for the lost. When I got saved in 97 or wherever it was, you would hear almost every Sunday to win the lost, to go after the lost, to look for the lost, to, to share with the lost. We seem to have lost that emphasis. Yet we're walking around every day bumping into people who are actually lost. We are sitting having coffee with people who are lost. We are meeting people in the supermarket who are lost. We are talking to people in the, in the supermarket that need to know Jesus. Yet we are afraid to ask them or afraid not to confront them but to, to share with them what happened to you. The great thing with this woman is that she is relentless and committed and determined to find the very thing she lost. Can I say this? God went to some length to find you. God went to an extreme length to find you. You think of Calvary. That is extreme. That song by Corey Aysbury. I can't think of the name of it. We sing it often. What's the name? Um, extravagant Love. Reckless. reckless Love. Sorry. A lot, of, a lot of churches won't sing that song because the word reckless. But actually when you hear Corey Aysbury's testimony behind the song that he was a backslidden Christian for years and he's involved in pornography and drug addiction. He said that God was reckless in his love and determined to find me, to bring me home. God was reckless in putting his son on a cross because he places great value on you as an in the when I was in the Bible college on Tuesday there was about three, two girls two sisters from Portugal and they were weeping for Europe on their knees they're 19 years of age these kids crying out to God that God would do something in Europe among young people and I broke when I, with them I was crying with them thinking these kids are crying out to God to find the ones the twos the threes and the fours this woman had a passion for the lost. She was determined. She was relentless. And she was committed to find the one. Imagine as a church, we became committed, 
determined and reckless to find the lost. The young person who's caught up in whatever stuff, who's broken. The person always reminds me, the kind always reminds me, those who have no voice, it's silent. Very hard to find a kind. There's no noise to it when you lose it. And there's loads of people that we bump into every day that are going through so much that just can't share what's going on in their heart. Yet we sit across them every day. We bump into them. We rub shoulders with them constantly. Yet we have this incredible salvation, this credible eternal salvation, this incredible blessed life, this incredible happy life, peaceful life. Although we face many trials and tragedies and difficulties, we still have this sense of peace that this world is looking for. All these young people are looking for peace. Peace. They're looking for peace. They're looking for joy. They want to put their head on a pillow and not take some level of drugs to go to sleep and to wake up. They're looking for some sense of vision and purpose and living. Yet they're looking everywhere and anywhere and they don't seem to be able to find it. And if you look at society, it's literally crumbling beneath our, beneath our feet. It's crumbling with all these young people who are lost. I mean, I travel a lot and I go into airports all the time and I see all these young people and their, their heads are literally stuck in these things. Literally. Can't get their brains off this stuff. Because they're searching, looking constantly for something to feed them that will bring that sense of peace. Yet all the while they cannot find it. Now here's the thing. This is what I want to talk about. I really want to drive this home. We as individuals are signposts to all that they need. Your life matters to someone else's life. Your testimony is very important to somebody your blessed life is very important to someone that doesn't know the blessing of God. I had this wonderful moment to share my testimony with this girl, this reception in the garage. It was great just to share about what Jesus has done in my life over 20 odd years ago. It was just great to share and she could see that something had happened to me. Not because of me, but because of him. And that's why I'm in, at the point at 53 said to Shandra today, rather than going into reverse, I'm actually ramming it into force gear here. Rather than slowing down, it's time to speed up. Rather than sitting back and saying, well, I've done 30 years of ministry, take it easy and just let's see it all just, just maintain to the end. It's not about maintaining to the end. It's about pushing forward to the end. It's about seeing so many people get saved. It's about seeing young people come to faith. It's about seeing every chair full on a Sunday morning with those that don't know Christ. Amen. That those that need to know Christ. That every week, and I really believe God has pressed this on my heart, that every week we'll see someone getting baptized in water. We're right beside Port Marnock Beach. Imagine all summer long, every week, someone going into the waters of life. That's the heart of God. 
That's the heart of God. I'm not slowing down. I'm going to ramp it up here. Let's push on right to the end. As Shannon often says, I'll sleep long enough when I'm in heaven. It's not, it's not the day to sleep. It's the day to get up and wake up and let's go after the lost. Come on. Let's go after. As, you, as that lady in, in, the, in the parable of the coin, she swept and she cleaned every cupboard, every part of the house, and then she found the thing that was lost. She found. And this is where I look. And then she called her friends and her neighbors. Come and celebrate that we found somebody. Last night, I had this vivid dream. I don't have an imagination. But I had this vivid dream of an old friend that gave his life to Jesus many years ago. Ken O'Brien. And I walked into his house, and I believe God was speaking to me. And he was sitting there with his wife, Carla, and his, his daughter, Steph Daphne, wasn't a child. She was 27, which she is probably about that age now. And they came back to Jesus. And you know what? There are so many out there that want to come home again. There are so many out there that need to hear the message of good news. There are so many out there that need hope. There are so many out there that need to know peace and joy and a sense of serenity. And I don't know about you, but I have a heart for Christians whose children are lost, like Jade and others who have just lost direction. But I believe God is about to bring them home. I believe God is about to bring them in these doors. I really believe it all my heart. God is about to do it, but he's going to do it through the church, friend. He has to do it through the church. And the church is not bricks and mortar. It ain't a hotel. The church is the people of God. When the people of God begin to have a passion for the lost, God begins to do something. God's anointing begins to fall. God's anointing begins to be enriched. All of a sudden, his grace becomes greater and more powerful than before because God's heart is that none shall perish, but all shall come to faith. All should come home. We cannot sit back now, church. We cannot just enjoy a Holy Ghost meeting. We've got to go back out there and find them. We've got to bump into them. We've got to sit with them. We've got to talk. We've got to knock on the door. We've got to send them a text. We've got to send them an email. We've got to do something to reach into their world, their world of chaos and brokenness and lostness and emptiness. We, as the body of Christ, we need to reach into that world and rescue them. Pull them from the eternal fire. Pull them from the darkness. Pull them from tragedy and brokenness and addiction. Pull them in. Throw out the net and bring them home, I say. Throw out the net and rescue them, I say. Throw out the net and bring them in. That we can all stand and rejoice like they did with our friend that found the coin. That we can all celebrate the fact that one has come home. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Your testimony is a testimony of God's goodness, God's grace, God's mercy, God's love. Please don't hide it. As, as Matthew says, don't let your light shine and then cover it over. Let your light shine. 
Let your salt be tasteful. Let your love be acceptable. Let your grace be known to those who don't know grace, that never experienced it, that have never actually, actually even tasted of it. Let them feel it. Let them experience it. I don't know about you, but I see these kids in airports. I see these kids in different countries, and I see they're all the same. They're all the same. They're all the same. And you know, when I was in Israel, there was one gate that really has affected me in the walls of Jerusalem, and that was the Dung Gate. Michael Carter said, you know, I knew this, but he explained a bit deeper for me. He said, that gate was down the bottom, not at the top. He said, all the rubbish from Jerusalem would come out through that gate and burn all day long. He said, Jesus stood at that gate and talked about hell, the fires that were born to eternity. And all the rubbish and all the loss would go there. Yet with Jesus going to the cross, he turns it upside down. All those who are meant to go that gate will go through his gate. Because he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So I believe this is what this message is all about. Let's turn the gate. Let's turn the tide. Let's turn the tide. And when we see they're saying they're lost, we say, no, they're getting rescued. When you see they're broken, no, they're getting healed. When you see that they're lost for eternity, no, they're going to eternity. When you see that they have no hope, we say there's hope coming. Where we have a voice, we have a message, we have a word to bring that will change the direction of your life, that will bring hope and a future. You know, the Bible says, without a vision, the people cast off restraint. And what I see in society, especially young people, they have no vision. They have no... Pur- so they're almost walking aimlessly, constantly walking around, not knowing where they're going. Yet we are the signposts. Come this way. I know one who will make the way. I know one who is the way. I know one who carries truth. I know one who carries blessing. I know the one that heals. I know the one that sets free. I know the one that not just heals but makes whole. I know the one that sets people free. I know the one that brings liberty. I know the one that brings freedom. I know the one that I've experienced that changed me, transformed me, and liberated me. I know him. You know him. It's time to bring him to those that don't know him. That have never even experienced him. That have never encountered him. You know, I have just did a documentary recently on my life. And I showed it to the professor, the president of the Bible college. And he said something to me that has really affected me. He stopped and he said, can I just say something to you? He said, you really know God's grace, don't you? And I said, Joseph, you know, I know God's grace now even more than I did in those years. Because he's been so good to me. And you know, you are full of grace in this room. And mercy and goodness. Yet there are those that have never even seen it, felt it. Let us be like this woman 
Let us search to know. Let us find him. Let us go after him. And this morning, I just really feel to do this. I'm going to ask Denise to come up. We're going to pray for Jade. She used to sit, she used to play piano in the worship years ago. Come on, Denise. We're going to stand with our sister and ask Jesus to do a miracle. To bring this young girl who's lost back to the faith. Denise carries this burden every day for her daughter. But the Bible says when one hurts, we all hurt. But when one rejoices, we all rejoice. So let's stand and pray for this young girl to come back home. That God will rescue her. God will bring salvation to her. God will minister to this young girl now. Come on, church. We need to cry out to God for this young girl. Lord, we pray for Denise in the name of Jesus. We pray for our dearly beloved sister and friend of this church and of yours. We pray for Jade this morning that this day she will experience salvation. That this day she'll call upon the name of the Lord. That this day she'll come home. That this day when Denise goes home, she say, Mom, I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my life to the one that you have served for nearly 20 years. I gave my one to the one that you loved. I gave my heart to the one that rescued you and changed your life. Lord, I claim Jade in the name of Jesus. I claim her life now, Father. I ask you today, Lord, that you would bring her home. Bring her back to the house of the Lord. That next Sunday she'll be sitting on a chair, worshiping the King and Kings of Lord of Lords. I pray for every young person that we know of that used to come. We pray now in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you'll bring them home. You'll bring them back to yourself. You'll rescue them, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you put a burden in our hearts that, you, that we will go after the ones and the twos and the threes and the fours, that we'll bring them to the house of the Lord and that we'll see them getting saved before our eyes and that we can all celebrate together, that we can all rejoice together that they've all come home. Father, your word says that even the angels rejoice when they see someone getting saved. Lord, let there be angels in this room rejoicing over the next six months that so many people get saved. So many people get touched by the grace and the goodness of God. Can we pray together for just a few minutes for our city and for the lost and the broken? Can we pray for this hotel that every day we'll come to know Jesus?